Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. And welcome back to the Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show, 3 o'clock edition on Carly Finkayman's birthday. So happy birthday to Carly. We give you this special edition as our present to you. No more, no less. I hope she's not listening because that would be bad for you. Hi, Seth. Of course she's not listening. Um, hi. i got to admit, I'm looking at your – this is one of the worst setups I've ever seen you do. For two reasons. First of all, good morning and good afternoon, everybody. Thanks for coming on with us a little bit early today. First of all, you spelled Manu Ginobili wrong. I did? Um, you, Ginobili is not spelled G-I-N-O-B-L-I. It's G-I-N-O-B-I-L-I. Second of all, wow. Manu Ginobili is not European. He's Argentinian. Oh, he's Argentinian. So he can't be the best wow. European basketball is, player ever. That That is horrendous. And, of course, he's the best... Argentinian basketball player ever. Well, him and Oscar Schmidt, I guess, would be in the running. Well, that's but, South Ameri- That's best South American player because Oscar Schmidt's Brazil. You're killing correct. yourself today, buddy. I'm kill. I'm killing myself. You know what? The three o'clock show really turned me into a, uh, got me a little bit off kilter. But that being said, we can say is he the best foreign player? Let, let's amend to the best foreign basketball player ever, and we can discuss that in a little bit. But this comes off of last night's sweep by the Golden State Warriors, who have now gone full, 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 and maybe another full, but we don't know. Uh, and Manu Julian will be giving a rightful send-off if it was, in fact, his last game ever uh, in San Antonio, playing a great series. Look, he didn't play poorly. He certainly has not. He certainly has stuff left in the tank if he wants to come back, but at 40 years old, he may not. Yeah, there, no faux faux, uh, but there is no way to no faux show whether Golden State will be able to wow. pull that next four off. Yeah, you like that one. Um, that was well done. Thank you. This has been the least interesting playoffs of recent memory, and if it wasn't for a miracle comeback by Boston Sands Isaiah uh, in a, a fluky Avery Bradley 12-bounce three-pointer, um, you know, we'd be one game away from what we've been waiting really since Kevin Durant jumped on July 4th. Uh, it's, in regards to Ginobili, a noble way to go if he decides to leave. And, you know, I have no problem with him making a determination. You know what? If he, he wants to hang around a little bit more, that's fine. Um, he's not going to be, um, you know, you hope he's not hanging as the 12th man on the bench. And he doesn't strike me as that kind of player. Uh, but a, a good way to go out, you know, the, 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 the baton has been passed to Kawhi Leonard at this point. And San Antonio, even in a rebuilding year, wins 60 games and goes to the Western Conference Finals. What more can you ask for, really? So 12th man on the bench. Hold on, Would you hold say? on. Twelve men on the bench. 
He's not the twelfth man on the bench. I he wouldn't even be the twelfth man. Hold on. He wouldn't be the twelfth man on the bench next year, even if he came back no. for another year. If 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 he were to come back, and we know Greg Popovich loves to rest his starters, my take would be Manu rest until February. We'll start there. I mean, there's no reason for him to play. He if he only has thirty games left in the tank. He pulls a Roger Clemens. He comes in halfway through the season, and he plays the rest of the season. Rest of the season, and in the playoffs, look, we saw in the last series that Manu's got plenty left in the tank. Whether he wants to or not, he certainly has gas in the tank. The question is whether he wants to do it. And I don't think he'd be a 12th man. I don't even think he'd be a 10th man. And he's still got skills. So. Again, it's up to him. He didn't make a whole lot of money this year, uh, comparatively. But the question, the big question here for the San Antonio Spurs is what do you do now? So you have Patty Mills is going to be a free agent. Tony Parker is coming off an injury. LaMarcus Aldridge, okay, good player. Actually a very good player. But very much an isolation type player. Definitely not a... Spurs player that we've come to know in the past is the Spurs way, much like the Cardinals way, which is a free-flowing basketball uh, team where passing is predominantly the way that they go, and they get the easy buckets, and it was very easy when you had guys like Paul Gasol and Tim Duncan who were very much passers and were eager to give up the ball. LaMarcus Aldridge kind of reminds me of a Carmelo Anthony type player where it's a suck the basketball in and it never comes out. Is that the way that they want to go? Yeah. It it does seem like he's not really the best fit for this kind of team. Um, Look, he's a very good player and he, he can be a very good number two on the right team. The problem is, as you've said, He's an isolation player in a free-flow offense. It's probably not the best fit. That being said, I don't know what his trade value is. You know, he's over 30. He makes more than $20 million. He's not a great defensive player. He's not a great rebounder. So what exactly – the problem is what are you going to get for him? Um, well, and I think and, you're, you're hitting it right on the head is – the problem that he has with San Francisco, uh, sorry, San Antonio, is the exact same problem that he'd have being traded. Is that where is his value, if there is any value? And you're absolutely spot on, Seth. There is very limited value for a person like that. There are very few teams that you would look at and say, yes, he is a good fit on that team. In fact, I can think of only two or three that would you look he'd be a tremendous fit on the Detroit Pistons next to Greg Drummond. Next to Andre Drummond. He'd be a tremendous fit. He'd allow Drummond to play the center and Lamarcus Aldridge could hit twenty footers till his heart content, till he's done. He'd be a very good fit on the Orlando Magic. And the reason is they have no scoring. So he'd be a great <laughs> fit there. He could conceivably be a very good fit for the Minnesota Timberwolves if Carl Carl Anthony Towns would play the five, which I'm not sure he'd be willing they they want him to do. But these are legitimate fits. 
he could be a fit back on Portland. God forbid. He'd be, the team that lost him would be a great fit for him because they don't have any front court talent, very limited front court talent. But in going through these teams, that's where it starts and ends, is maybe four to five teams in the NBA, and not those four or five teams have either the cap room or the, or the trade assets to get a LaMarcus Aldridge if the Spurs want value for him. If they are looking to just get out from under that, that uh, salary, sure, they could find a dumping if they really wanted to. But who are you going to replace him with? And I don't see anybody else on the free agency market minus a Kevin Durant who's probably not going there. He had that opportunity. Or any one of a number of other restricted free agents that would fit that bill. Yeah, well, as, as you said, the teams that, you know, he plays an 80s style, an 80s bang it down low offense in a 2010 era. And the game doesn't particularly fit him at this point. You know, as you said, it's, it's comparable, not comparable to Carmelo Anthony, but in the same regard where it seems like in a lot of ways, based on the offense that the Knicks are playing, it's just not a good fit. And San Antonio doesn't seem like a good fit. So, but at the end of the day, he's still an 18-9 and nine guy where as long as he's not the star, which he'll never be with Kawhi Leonard there, he'll never, he can be a, num- a solid number two, number three for a team that could go somewhere. The question to me on that team is, can Dijon Murray be the, be the point guard as Tony Parker starts to age? You know, do you re-sign Danny Green? Do you re-sign Dwayne Dedman or Jonathan Simmons or Kyle Anderson? There's a lot of moving parts. Well, the I know Patty Mills is a free agent. I know Deadman is a restricted free agent if he wants. I know um, the first guy you mentioned, Jonathan something or another, not Danny Green. Um, Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan Simmons, Simmons is also a free agent, and he saw it coming out this year. Look, there are two things that were very humorous about your last statement. Number one, the fact that you said that the Knicks have an offense. That that was incredibly funny to me because last time I checked, they de- they definitely do not. You're you're on a roll today. Uh, so that's number one, and and number two, that look, I don't if if Tony Parker is done, which I believe he probably is for as a starting point guard in the NBA. I don't think you could go to Murray. I don't think you could do that right now. I don't think he has a jump shot that's worth a damn. And if that's the case, how much are you spending on Patty Mills? And what was interesting was right now, next year, the Spurs have $93 million in salaries taking up, which I believe is above the cap. Um, not above the luxury tax, but above the cap. I'm actually going to see where, where their salaries lie. They have 21 in, in Aldridge. They have nothing in Manu. Manu earned 15 this, 14 this year. Danny Green's on for one more year. Wow, the, uh, the, the Spurs actually took a hit with Duncan this year. But Patty Mills is going to need a big salary boost from $3.2 million, my friend. He is looking yeah, in the 20s. Yeah, he's probably looking... Oh, I don't think the 20s. You think he's looking at $20 million a year? Well, Seth, that's the problem, right? I mean, with how much do you think Pau Gasol is earning next year, assuming he opts in? How much do you think he's earning? Uh, 
probably, and again, I don't have this stuff open, but probably around 16, 17 million. Yeah. Is Pau Gasol worth 17 million in today's NBA? No. No, but that's where the money is. That that's that's how much the money is. The money is so big. I mean, if you wanted, I mean, remember, if Chris Paul resigns with the with the Clippers, and right. if Kyle Lowry resigns, re, resigns Kyle Lowry at age 31, I think no, he's 32. I'm sorry, 32, resigns a five-year deal with the with the the Raptors if they go for the full max, he will be earning 47 million dollars. $47 million when he's 37 years old. The NBA is so... At, the only There are two sports that rival the NBA as to how out of whack it is. One is boxing, but I still don't understand that. And one is soccer, which I still don't understand. I don't understand how the money is as big as it is. But ridiculous is that guys like that, like a Patty Mills are looking at $20 million salaries next year. I mean, I don't, I because don't think he's mon- looking at that much. I don't think he's looking at that. Well, there's money to looking, burn. I think that's a bit high. Well, when you have I money to he, burn, that's kind of what happens. Who has, who has money to burn? Seriously? Who has money? Well, first of all, a lot of this depends on who gets who opts in and opts out, right? So if you assume right, everybody's agreed. opting Absolutely out, agreed. right? So if you assume everybody's most, opting most out, let, I mean, let, let's look at some of these players that are earning in the twelve to fourteen million dollar range. Thaddeus Young, Monte Ellis, who couldn't okay. even get off the bench this year. I mean, you want to go to Cleveland? Cleveland has the most tax of anybody. Kevin Love's earning twenty-two. Tristan Thompson's earning sixteen. J.R. Smith's earning 14. I'm in Shumpert's earning 11. I mean, uh, look, I yeah. may be a little I, high on the 20. I, I may be, okay? I think you're high on but the, the top, But the, high, the top point guards in the NBA free agency coming out this year are Patty Mills, Drew Holiday, who for the first time in probably a decade has stayed healthy, George Hill, who cannot stay healthy. Those are the three top guys. So if you're in the if you're looking for a point guard, oh, and Chris I'm sorry, Paul. I believe Jeff Teague. Well, I don't. I, I'm assuming Chris Paul is coming back. So and Kyle Lowry is coming back. I'm assuming those two. So those are your your top four point guards are Jeff Teague, George Hill, Patty Mills, and who else did I say? I don't remember. Drew Holiday. Oh, Drew Holiday. And Drew Holiday, I think, is is going to get the max. That's how much I think that this is whacked. He's going to get the... I, I, I disagree. I disagree. Okay. I disagree with both what you're saying. Um, well, I, I hope you're know. right. Because if there's a max contract to be handed out, it's going to be the Knicks. So I am so hoping you're <laughs> incorrect. Uh, I, I, I assume my assumption is the Knicks with the eighth pick are probably going to go with uh, with a point guard. Would be my assumption. Again, we have no your idea who will be the to, GM, who will be the coach by that point. But dude, from your words to God's ears, from your words to God's ears, please pick a point guard. A guy from North Carolina State. His name is Dennis Smith. Dennis Smith. Oh, the guy from France. Um, no, no, have, no, no, uh, no guys from France. 
No guys from France. The last guy that we got from France, do you remember who that was? Of course, it was Frederick Weiss. Right. Who was picked to pick after Frederick Weiss? Run our test. Right. So let's go with the next French pick. Oh, please, give me a French pick. No. <laughs> He's not the oh, last French pick that I remember was Rudy Gobert. That didn't do too badly. Yes, and of course the Knicks didn't pick him. Of course not, because the Knicks have made one really good pick in the last three years. Um, Dennis Smith. That's all I want to hear on draft night is Dennis Smith. But anyway, I just no, don't we'll think there, there is... further on. Yeah, there just is not the availability. There, There is more money out there than there are good players. And what happens in that type of situation is that players get overpaid. So, I mean, next after the NBA fi- after the NBA Finals, before the draft, we'll go through our uh, our we'll, we'll mark down what we believe each of these players is going to get, and we'll have a little scenario and we'll see who wins. And as usual, neither one of us will do very well, but we can try. Probably that. Probably not. No, probably not. Definitely. <laughs> okay, so Mr. Isles, Mr. Nabate Isles decided to post a some a question on Facebook of which Seth believes that twelve other people on his Facebook, so that was a nice little uh little battle between two of them as to who got the, the question correct. Seth, would you like to say what this question is? And we can certainly take callers on this seven six oh two eight three oh eight four six. Well, what he was saying was his favorite athletes during his lifetime. And I had seen to this watch. a bunch of places to watch. To watch, right? And to watch. Okay. Yeah, not the best players he's ever seen, but his favorite players. Um, and I'd seen it on a bunch of other walls where people put down one name. Nabate, of course, being, well, Nabate, um, went with five on each, except for the UFC where he, he put hell no. And, you know, I, I mean, I look at some of these and I – I don't know how you come up with him. And then I look at some of these and I say, okay, makes sense. Um, All right. So I've put some thought into this, a little bit of thought. Okay. And if you were going to say your top five athletes for football, who would they be? I know you have lists already, and I'm doing doing this a little bit off the top of my head. I actually have not done lists. Um, Okay. I am between... Between my wife's birthday, which and getting ready for our vacation, and doing with the little dude, I simply haven't done it. It would take me hours to oh. think about it. Oh, hours. I know, no one's really on this one. Um, I know hours. a couple of them off the top. I know, I know Barry Sanders would be there. I know Lawrence Taylor would be there. I know Mark Bavaro would probably be there because watching him catch and get to try and get tackled by nine different people was always entertaining. I would probably say Michael Vick would be there. And knowing he destroyed my team year after year, probably Randall Cunningham would be there. That would probably be my top five. So interestingly enough, you picked two Eagles, you picked two Giants, and you picked one Lion. 
I just uh, which which makes sense because those are the players that you saw most often. The most certainly, yeah. certainly. Um, so football, I haven't given it as much thought as I have the other sports. Uh, given that football would probably be the sport that I would knock off, but then again, as we had a earlier discussion about this, but then again, I think that in most cases. Fans generally flock to either a wide receiver, a quarterback. Look, you had a tight end. I get that, or a pass rusher, because those are those yeah. are the the dominating positions, right? You know when you see a dominating pass rusher. You know when you see a dominating running back or a quarterback. No question about it. You know those positions. What you don't see is the middle linebackers. What you don't see is the defensive linemen, the nose tackles or so on and so forth. So, being a Jets fan, obviously, my number one guy was Blair Thomas. No, I'm just kidding. It was definitely not <laughs> Blair Thomas. No, it was Mark Gastineau. Barno. Really? Well, Mark Gastineau was your Lawrence Taylor. We had Gastineau, you had Lawrence Taylor. Not to say they were on the same path, because they certainly were not, but you had your pass rusher in New York, and we had our pass rusher in New York as well. And I think a lot of it, when you get to the New York New York fans, not of this generation, but let's say last generation, when, when Seth and I were children, were, were kids, is the fact that you didn't get to see the teams play each other. So if you were a Mets fan and I was a Yankees fan or the other way around, you had Mattingly and I had Hernandez. You right. had... I had I had Dwight Gooden, and for a time you had Jose Rio, who was actually supposed to be. Well, why do you think George Steinbrenner brought up an 18-year-old Jose Rio? Because of Dwight Gooden. No question about it. That is the rule. That is the reason. He brought him up from single A because the Mets had Dwight Gooden. That is a true story. But you had your Lawrence Taylor. I had Mark, my Mark Asno. You had your Mark Bavaro. I had my Mickey Schuler. And I loved watching Mickey Schuler play. I n- so, if I had to go for three other players, uh, I would say Randy Moss. I really enjoyed watching Randy Moss play, especially when, believe it or not, he was on the Patriots, and he was a first year first year when he was playing with Minnesota, because he just went and got it. And I obviously never have speed, being who I am, and that was awesome to me. Another guy who I loved watching was Chris Carter. Chris Carter had the best hands I've ever seen. And probably because I was watching Randy Moss, I saw Chris Carter a lot. And the last guy, hmm, last guy's an interesting pick for me, given the fact, look, I love Barry Sanders. Yeah, I'll say Barry Sanders. And the reasoning is Thanksgiving wasn't Thanksgiving without Barry Sanders. He was the guy that you tuned in to watch on for a Lions game, because there was nobody else. There was Scott Mitchell, Herman Moore, Brett Perryman, and him, and they never had a defense. So the only defender you ever knew on that team was Mike Utley, and not for a good reason. Oh, so he wasn't if, the offense. Mike Utley was an offensive lineman. Oh, he was an offense. Then we knew nobody. Oh no, we knew Robert Porsche. Reggie. But, Robert Porsche. Reggie Brown was a linebacker for Detroit who got hurt. Never played again. Oh, that's right. Yep. Okay, so 
to move on to a different sport, let's move on to hockey. And hockey, obviously, I had more of a following growing up, and part of the reason is I went to probably 30 games a year, at least. I saw everybody live, and that gives me a, a little bit more of an insight than it does Seth, because I saw these guys all the time. Number one guy that I loved to watch was Mike Gartner. There is nobody that scared the bejeebus out of me being an Islander fan than Mike Gartner coming down the wing. Nobody. More than Gretzky, more than Curry, more than Lemieux. Was it just that mustache that scared you? It wasn't, it wasn't the stash. It was not the stash. It was the fact that this guy was so fast, and he let out such a cannon. And given that, it's kind of the same way with hockey. You generally will not have a defenseman, and you generally will not have a goalie that you look forward to seeing more than you will a guy that puts the puck in the net. So, on that note, Mike Bossy, Pierre Turgeon, well, two Islanders, of course, because I'm going to see them all the time. Gretzky, anytime you could see Wayne Gretzky was phenomenal. And if I had to pick another, the last guy, I love seeing Dino Cicerelli, because Dino Cicerelli was an ass. He was an ass yes, he was. on the, and he, you know what? For all the times that he was an ass, he still put the puck in the net 600 times. So I'll take Dino. So what do you got for hockey? Okay. If you have five. I, I certainly but don't for soccer. A... <laughs> what did you say? Because I certainly don't for soccer. Well, there you go. Um, obviously, Wayne Gretzky's in there. That's pretty easy. Stevie Eiserman is my favorite hockey player of all time. But I do disagree with you because I think I and I, I played soccer not on a particularly high level, but I loved being I loved being a goalie. So I kind of really enjoyed watching the great goalies. So, and you're gonna laugh at one of I so I put two in my list. One is Dominic Hasek, who for his period of time, his he's like the Sandy Koufax that for his short period of time, not that he played goalie for a short period, but at for that four- or five-year prime, he was the best player in the world. Yep. And what he could do was utterly ridiculous. Um, Scott Niedermeyer. Because oh, he was the that he makes was sense. One of the really, you know, devil defenseman who played so offensively. Um, it was just a pleasure to watch. And the other one is only based upon, and it's kind of blasphemous, as someone who was a Devil fan, although not a hockey fan to the same degree that you were, but the greatest performance I've ever seen by a goalie was in the 1996 World Cup. Oh, it's Richter. By Mike Richter. Mike Richter. Yeah. was unbelievable. Based on that solely, um, I would put him on the list. The only other name that came to mind was actually, you had Dino Cicerelli, I had Theo Fleury when he was with okay. the Flames. Or a Pavel Burry with the Canucks, kind of the although different players, but speedy, great sniper type. Just Theo was a little bit more of an ass. Yeah, I totally get that. I mean, a, a lot of it comes from, as you said, it's a sniper mentality, and I think sports when we were kids, as I said with the football, is much different than sports today. We saw Wayne Gretzky at the Nassau Coliseum. Once a year. That's it. Once a year. We saw Theo Flory once a year. We saw Paolo Bore. By that point, we probably saw him a little bit more on TV. But 
it was once a year because they played in the Western Conference. So you knew it was excitement when you went and saw the Oilers come or when the Flames came. You you paid very close attention to that one player that you were looking forward to pretty much the whole year. And if that player was out that game, you were disappointed. And Theo Fleury was very much of the same ilk. If I'm looking for the defenseman, as you said, I, I do understand the Niedermeyer reference, and I'm not talking about... Um, I'm Niedermeyer! Right, exactly. I'm not talking about that. What I'm saying is there were other guys of similar ilk, and one guy that comes to mind is Paul Coffey. The, Niedermeyer was a much better defensive player than Paul Coffey ever was. But there are stats of those Edmonton Oilers so there is a stack called plus-minus, and plus-minus is not a very good barometer of how good you are as a defensive player, but it does give you a barometer of how good the team is. You get a plus point if you are on the ice for a goal, and even these are only even strength goals, and you get a minus if, if you are obviously on the ice for a goal against. Those Edmonton Oiler teams consistently had players in the plus-90s. 90s. Like, to me, that's unfathomable how many, how many goals were scored by those teams and how little they gave up. So Paul Coffey would be on there. If we're going to go to baseball, Seth, I will let you uh, lead the charge. Okay. Um, first and foremost, baseball is such an interesting kind of mix cause for me. I think you start off with the most naturally pretty player to watch in, of our of my lifetime. Although the second the second tier of his career was certainly not Mark, the same as the first. Mark Deshaies. Excuse me. Mark Deshaies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Um, I have to go with Ken Griffey Jr. Um, no one was in. Even if you're not, and I am not the baseball fan that Mark, that Mark, that that Sean is, um, that swing was so beautiful to watch. It was just pure, and watching him, the way he played defense was just was just amazing to me. Um, I'd probably throw a couple pitchers in there. To watch Randy Johnson was a pleasure, and it was also quite funny because you would see guys who wouldn't get anywhere near the batter's box. Because if you have a six ten guy throwing a hundred miles an hour, he just didn't want to be any be anywhere near it. Then on the other end, you had Greg Maddox, who looked like an accountant, who could put the ball anything, any place that he wanted to. And so, I mean, those those would be the three that come immediately to mind. Um, you know, I kind of you love watching. See, I'm not going to have any Yankees really on this because for me, it was the you know, what I enjoyed was people who had the enthusiasm and, the, you know, the joy of playing. And when you you deal with a Jeter or, you know, a Rivera to a lesser degree, they're so stoic. Um, so for strange, watching Sammy Sosa was, was a blast. You know, forgetting what happened when it was all said and done, but he seemed to have so much enjoyment playing the game. Sure. And I guess for the fifth, although I hated his team, I would talk about exuberance. I don't think anyone's better than watching watching Wizard of Oz play defense, Ozzy Smith. So, 
I agree with all those. Uh, they're not my five. Wow. <laughs> some some of them are. No, no, no. They are not my five. Some of them are. Most of them are not. The the fact is, for baseball, is such an individual is not an individual sport. So for you to want right. to look forward to seeing somebody, that person has to bring out a certain pizzazz, such as what you said about Ozzy Smith. Ozzy Smith is my favorite player of all time. I was a shortstop growing up. But I won't say I looked forward to watching Ozzie Smith play baseball. I just wanted to play defense. Yeah, to hit, absolutely not. Well, look, Ozzie Smith hit 300 several times. He just had absolutely no power except for one, one home run. But if you're looking for guys that 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 showed exuberance, and again, you have to forget about what this is very similar to the NFL Hall of Fame, right? This is what happened on the field. We're not talking about anything that happened off the field. This is certainly everything that happened on the field. Kirby Puckett showed more exuberance than any person in baseball history, as far as I'm concerned, on the field. There was no person I loved watching more than Kirby. 5'8 and 200 pounds and looked like he could roll down the the hill and still played all-star center field. But the majority of the players that I looked forward to seeing with the guys that had the ball in their hands most of the time, and those are pitchers. Because no player controlled, aside from Barry Bonds, no player controlled a game more than a pitcher. That's just inherent in baseball. So Dwight Gooden, I loved watching Gooden play. I, I, I would make it, if we were going to a Mets game, I would make sure that Gooden was pitching, if, if we were going to a Mets game. Uh, I loved watching him pitch. I loved watching Greg Maddox pitch. Same reason you said. That boy never walked a guy. Ever walked anybody. I, lo- I-, I didn't... For-, for good and for bad, I liked watching this guy. Armando Benitez. I just yeah. loved seeing what was going to happen. I just loved seeing what was going to happen. Or cry because- a little bit inside. Right, but that's what I'm saying. There was ne- him and John Franco. It's like Met. It's like Met relievers just have this syndrome that a one-two-three inning is like an allergic reaction to anything that happens in the ninth inning for the Mets. So any Met reliever you can put in there would be number four, and number five, Clayton Kershaw. You want to talk about a guy that's having Kofaxian numbers? Clayton Kershaw. It, there is. There is no player in baseball history that comes closer to to Kofax in the last five years. Co, uh, sorry, a Kofaxian level for five year period Agreed. than Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw has actually been better than Kofax was for five years, but we have this mystique about Sandy Kofax, and rightfully so. He was a tremendous pitcher, but one day look up Kershaw stats. I went to a went to a playoff game where he played the Mets. And this is two years ago, three years ago. And the only thing that Mets fans were looking forward to, we were counting the number of pitches from day, from the first inning. We were hoping that he would have longer at-bats so he would get out of the game sooner because there, we all knew there was no chance of hitting him. Throughout the entire game, so when, so when he, when somebody swung at a pitch on the first pitch, we all yelled at the batter. 
because we really wanted him to take at least the first pitch. So it would be at least two pitches for Clayton to get out of the game. And he did come out in the eighth inning, and we were all cheering tremendously. He came out with about 90 pitches. So it would be Clayton Kershaw. Okay, basketball, I think, is probably the easiest of the sports because it's so it can be so dominated by one person. So, Seth, you're five guys. Magic, Michael, Clyde, Drexler, not Fraser. I'm not quite that old. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Although Gay. your hair is differently. Wah, wah. Wait, Dr. J, you saw Dr. J for like three years. Okay, would you prefer me not use Dr. J? No, I don't prefer Dr. you J doing it. I'm just Dr. saying. J was my introdu- Dr. J was my introduction to basketball. Okay, fair enough. So, when I started watching sports, the first person that I was a huge fan of was Dr. J. Um, okay. The fifth one, I'll probably go a little bit more recent. I don't know whether you like him or hate him. I, I don't know how you can't enjoy watching LeBron James. It, it, I don't. I mean, what he's do, what he has done is 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 ridiculous. I mean, the problem is there's a thousand names I could throw out there for that. You know, like or throw out someone like a John Wall or an Allen. Actually, I probably should throw out Allen Iverson. Um, to watch because it was just incredible watching guys five. Yeah, I'd rather say Iverson is my fifth. Okay. Now, this coming from the guy that says that LeBron James can never overtake Michael, but that's a different story for a different time. That's a different discussion. Um, (laughs) You're going to find all five of my guys are point guards because, as Seth can attest to, I have no jump shot. I have no shooting ability. When I played intramurals and played in high school and played in junior high, I was a point guard. I was a guy that distributed. I looked past first. And to me, that was the great ability that I had. Not saying that I was great on the court, but that was the ability I brought to the table. Jason Kidd was the, was the guy I aspired to be. And probably because Jason Kidd's shot sucked the first five to ten years of his NBA career as well. So there you go. I got the guy that can rebound, the guy that can pass the ball, but the guy can't shoot. I'm in. Totally on board with him. <laughs> so that was number one. Oh, really? I mean, that that was number one. Uh, Magic is, is number two. Magic was everything. Uh, when you were in the 80s, you were either, even if you were a Knicks fan or even if you were a Bulls fan or even if you were a Pistons fan, you still had either the Lakers or the Celtics. You you picked one, and you enjoyed rooting for them. Yep. I love watching Chris Paul play for almost the same reason as I love watching Magic and Kid. He is so good with the ball. I loved watching Allen Iverson play because he changed the way the point guard – Russell Westbrook is not a point guard if Allen Iverson is not a point guard. He changed the way the basketball was played. And that, to me, was, was extremely interesting. And the fifth guy, you know what? Yeah, there is one non-point guard, and it's not Michael, because I never saw Michael play in person. 
and I thought I was going to, but that didn't happen until much later. It's Patrick Ewing, because without Patrick oh. Ewing in 1985, look, without Patrick Ewing in 1985, the Knicks are not relevant. They're just not. I was a Knicks fan. They are not relevant without him. There is no net that you can point to, none, that you can say without him they would not be relevant because the Nets are still not relevant. Without Patrick Ewing, between the 70s and the 80s, the Knicks are not a relevant team. They're Bill Cartwright and Trent Tucker. And I love Trent Tucker because, damn it, if I couldn't shoot a two, I might as well just... Well, if I couldn't shoot a two, I might as well start chucking up threes. And that's what Tucker did. So... So anyway, so yes, I liked watching Patrick Ewing finger roll and miss. So there you go. And I know that's what you were pointing to. And if I had to pick a sixth guy, much the same way as you did, I liked watching Reggie Miller play. I hated watching Reggie Miller play, but I liked watching (laughs) him play. That man had more confidence in his left pinky finger than most people have in their entire bodies. And the trash talking that he did and the backing it up it i mean they made a 30 for 30 about him that's it i mean 8 points in a minute they made a 30 for 30 about him you could actually say the same thing about jay williams that they should have made a 30 for 30 oh yeah he did score 8 points in in a minute okay forget that that's for college basketball, dickhead, not for men, not for professionals. <laughs> Did you really just say that on the air? Yep. <laughs> you did. Damn straight. <laughs> Obviously, somebody because said we a both, little we source both, We both know why that was broached. <laughs> oh, we do because it happened against the Maryland Terrapins. Anyway. It did. It did. And soccer, you know what? I love Pele, and I love Shep Messing. That's it. I don't know anybody else. I think we can skip. We can skip. We can skip soccer. That's fine. Is do you want to do college, or, or are you good with what we got? Yeah, I mean, you you can go to college basketball, but at at the same time, I mean, to me, growing up, college basketball was certainly not as big as you. I mean, I probably had a couple of Syracuse guys. I had Dikembe Mutombo, who I loved watching in college, and and these days. The guy that I liked the most was actually the guy that you probably hate the most, and that's J.J. Redick. Oh, I had no issue with J.J. Redick. We beat him in the, uh, in, the, in, the, in the ACC finals in 2005. Um, I mean, for me, the, 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 two, the, the Maryland guy that would come the first and foremost, there was almost no one more enjoyable than watching Graves Vasquez. He was a blast. Um, just so damn flamboyant. It's too bad that he just—he wasn't athletic enough to be that great in in the NBA. And injuries just took its toll. But man, was he fun to watch. Um, Danny Manning and Christian Leitner are the two best college players I've ever seen. Um, yes, you know it's hard to compare eras when you have guys like a Kevin Durant who lasts the year or a Melo who lasts the year. Um, but they were the best I have ever seen. Danny Manning well, won in Seth, we're not talking about nothing. We're not, talk, we're not talking about the best you've ever seen. We're talking about the ones that 
that no, you I felt they were, were the most exciting? Oh, I, okay. For most exciting, probably, yeah, I kind of went off the topic on that one. Um, yep. Most exciting, let me think here for a quick second. Um, Grand Hill was pretty damn exciting to watch. Um, a, it was enjoyable, it was really enjoyable to watch. Mateen Cleese was enjoyable at Michigan State. Um, I'm trying to think here. There's never been anyone at UConn who's been remotely interesting. Um, oh, there certainly has been. Come on. Khalid El Amin. Oh. Doughboy. Doughboy. Was absolutely. Look, look, there is. Um, I'm a Syracuse grad. One of my friends writes for Noons, uh, the magician, who also goes by the name of Hoya Suxa, and his name is Matt Glode. And right before Syracuse played UConn, it came out that Khalid Alamin had like seven kids. So <laughs> Matt, Matt created a poster with an hour straight down and said, Khalid, I am your son. <laughs> which I thought was one of the more ingenious posters. And, and we were at the spot where he, we were standing right behind the basket for free throws. So it was hysterical. But uh, Khalid Alamin was a good, was a good ball player as was Richard Hamilton for, and Emeka Okafor as well for UConn. Yeah. But th- as you said, these are not people that I needed to see. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, okay. Paul Pierce was probably there. Buddy Heald, I really thought, was great to watch. I really did. And I thought Adam Morrison was a lot of fun to watch. Like, I think those are the guys that would probably come to mind. You know, you, you make fun of me with the stash and, and Mike Gartner. I wasn't old enough to know what a stash was and, until at well after Mike Gartner. You, you and Adam Morrison, maybe that was it. Maybe you got to grow an Adam Morrison stash for Carly's birthday. I think that would be a good present. I think she'd be. I think she would be thrilled. <laughs> uh, to wake up with the stash. So, there you go. We'll, yeah. we'll nickname you the stash. I think you should do it. Uh, no, actually, you should do it on your trip to Italy, because then you'd fit right in. <laughs> um, okay. So anyway. <laughs> I guess jumping to college football quickly, uh, there's a few players that – college football is actually a little bit easier. The two most exciting wideouts I've ever seen are Charlie Rogers and Larry Fitzgerald, period. Charlie Rogers is one of the three or four best college players I've ever seen. Um, that he ended up – it was just a damn shame. LeVar Arrington at Penn State was amazing to watch. What a freak athlete he was. Then I'd probably throw in a quarterback or two. Um, yeah, maybe a Charlie Ward, maybe a or a Jameis Winston or a Marcus Mariota, someone along those lines. The kind of the run pass combo. And I know I'm forgetting people because I didn't really put the list together as a whole, but that's probably where I would go with that. So college football, I will go for two players and two players only. Leonard Fournette, who I saw in the dome. His freshman year. I, I remember wa- talking wa- with you wondering that. I watched, I believe, every game thereafter to see how, if this was just a fluke and that Syracuse sucked, which they did, or if this was really this guy's skills. And, man, 
I looked forward every Saturday to watching LSU just to see if this guy was, was just as good as he was, and he is. Number two, and there is nobody better that I've ever seen live or on TV in college than Michael Vick. He changed the game. That would probably – I agree. That would probably – I would probably take that as my quarterback. My fault. There, there is nobody else that changed the game one – one player that changed the game as, mo- as much as him, and you know what? I can't, I can't, I would be remiss if I did not mention Donovan McNabb, because I saw every game that Donovan McNabb played in, in at home in the dome, and I'll tell you, I saw Syracuse football before, and I saw Syracuse football after Donovan McNabb. I didn't appreciate it at the time. That man was a wrecking machine. And I looked forward every week to Syracuse football because I knew we had a chance to win with him. And every week we we did very well with, with Donovan. So but Vic was a Vic was a pleasure to watch and an exciting person to watch. And I've never looked forward to seeing somebody more in college than him. So I'll I'll definitely stand on my my soapbox with Michael Vick. All right, any other sport you want to hit? Do you want to hit a little WWF? Oh, I would love to hit the entertainment portion of our program in WWF. But I think, I let you I think go first. part you know, I think part of it with WWF or now WWE is the fact that I did not have cable growing up. So you I saw very limited WWE. I saw the Saturday morning whatever they call it, Superstars of Wrestling. And I saw the yep. occasional Saturday night's main, Saturday Friday night's main event Saturday night's, night's main, main event Friday? Saturday night's main event and no it was Friday wasn't it Friday no, night's Saturday. main event Saturday night's main event um, I'm looking it up now but anyway look Hulk Hogan Andre the Giant if you had to pick a heel it would be Paul Orndorff and Randy Macho Man Savage. And I love just watching Ricky Steamboat. So there you go. No, com- no arguments. Um, all right, my five from the modern, more modern era. Chris Jericho. It was Friday night. It, it was. I'm sorry. It was Friday night's main event. Really, I could swear it was Friday night's main event. They huh. actually. No, list of former WWE programming, and it says it preempted. Hold on, Friday night's main event in nineteen. They also Saturday had shock on event. Saturday I'm night. I'm Wikipedia it. Saturday night's main event. So am I. Oh, there was one year. There was one year where it was Friday. Okay, a couple of times it was Friday night, but you are correct. It's Saturday night most of the time. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Okay. So my five, um, Chris Jericho, because I think he's hysterical. Uh, yes. The Rock, because he's just charismatic as hell. Um, Ricky Steamboat, Roddy Piper, because I don't know how anyone couldn't enjoy Roddy Piper, and the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, because we all aspire to look like the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. 
actually, we all aspire to look like Ravishing Rick Rude. But that would be another porn you statue. Yeah, I, know, I said we all aspired, aspired, past, past tense, aspired to look like Ravishing Rick Rude. Or Lex Luger, the complete package. But at the end of the day, we all just aspired to have Miss Elizabeth in our corner. Didn't matter. You know what's the favorite about all those people? Like. They're if all George the animal, If George the Animal Steel could have Miss Elizabeth in his corner, we all had a chance. Words so, to live by. Anyway. Words to live by. This is true. So what show are you seeing tonight? Um, we are seeing a show called War Paint, which actually her mother got had extra tickets and just gave them to us. So War we had some ex- tickets were ex- tickets were exchanged. We got free tickets to the show tonight. War so, Paint. That that's very interesting. It goes right along with the Florida State um, Florida State conversation. Yeah, that we had today. It, it does. Except it's about like women's perfume. So I'm not going to both either tell you or myself are really sure how this is going to play out. But we haven't gotten to, unfortunately, we haven't gotten to too many shows in the last year. So um, a night out is a night out, and you'll appreciate this. So my wife is a little antsy about her birthday. Um, she got a very nice gift for Mother's Day. Now, I told her that the gift, you know, whatever she's getting for her birthday, is not going to be at the same tier. It's just not. And we're going to Italy next week, and it's exp- it has been an expensive damn two-week, couple weeks. So, the pr- my present to her was UPS on, was supposed to be UPS on Friday. Wasn't there. Didn't get it on Saturday. It was going to be in on Monday. So, I run to my New York office, from my New York office, drive out to Jersey, to pick up the package, which never made it. Of course not. I am not pleased. Then. Did, did you oh, track it? I'll Where is it? One. It's at a depot. I couldn't. It, it's now at the office. It came today. So okay. uh, now I am at a. Um, I'm like, all right, I'll pick her up flowers. I'll explain. As I said, I got a really nice mother, first Mother's Day gift. So that, I'm a little off the hook on that. So I go to pick up pick her up flowers in in um in Hoboken. I didn't know everything was closed by seven o'clock. I forgot I don't live in the city anymore and everything is just closed. So I'm just driving around going, Oh, you've gotta be bleeping kidding me. So my poor wife, what a horrible husband I am. No no flowers last night, no gift last night. All we did was pretty much try and fix our AT and T bill. She was not in the best Wait. of moods. But her birthday is today. Yep, and today. But this is what I haven't figured out. Do you usually bring flowers the night before, or do you bring them the day of? Or do you expect okay, so, to wake up with them in the morning? I'm not used to having girlfriends. I don't know this crap. Well, well, let's understand two things. First of all, I'm the one that's not married. So asking me is probably <laughs> the wrong person to ask. Number well, two, I'm you. thinking, yeah, well, that's number one. And, and number two... You get them today, is my thought process. You wake up early, you bring her breakfast, you're good to go, moving on. But then again, we've all established that practicality. You you do realize I have a 10-month-old, right? Practicality. 
No, you wake him up, you go out, you get her some flowers, you go to the... Bo well, there is no bodega, it's Hoboken. This teaches you never to move out to Hoboken. So anytime you keep <laughs> telling me I need to move to Hoboken, you can... Re you know what? You Carly's the one that wanted to move out of the city. Wait, wait, Carly's the one that wanted to move out of the city. So here you go. You got the exact reason why you shouldn't have moved out. You would have had flowers had we not moved to Hoboken. I have a feeling that's not a winning argument. Not even remotely. All right, so we got four minutes to go. Um, I'll go first, and then you can wish your uh, your wife another happy birthday. First of all, happy birthday to your wife, to Carly Finkamens, who is one of our greatest supporters of the show, even though I don't think she's ever listened. So that's number one. Only if it's number about that. Number two, uh, yeah, but we're not going to have that show ever. Uh, don't tell her that. Well, she's not listening, so it won't matter. Number two, it was a pleasure to see my mother and my aunt this past weekend. Uh, flew them out to New York, had a great time, saw Mel Brooks. He's 91 years old, believe it or not, and still funny as all hell. And uh, saw Young Frankenstein for the first time. And once again, the black and white, um, the black and white problem with films and I do not go hand in hand. So we'll have to revisit that movie as well. So, again, thanks to my mom and my aunt. Glad everybody's feeling a whole lot better. And happy birthday to Carly. Next week, uh, we'll have a special guest, maybe, or maybe Seth will be joining us. We'll try and figure that out. But uh, we will be here next Tuesday. And then the week after, we have the David Tyree uh, charity event. So uh, more information on that. Seth, take it away. Yeah, I mean, my, my guess is I'm probably not going to be calling in. Um, from Italy, <laughs> call me crazy, uh, but I, I don't see it happening, and especially, you know, well, it, it, there's no, other than the NBA, I mean, it, look, the NBA Finals, we know what's coming, the NHL, congrats to Nashville, um, and Nashville, Pittsburgh, but Nashville without Johansson, I think, has got a lot of problems, I don't think they can beat Pittsburgh, um, uh, I did Tyrese last year. It was a lot of fun um, without Sean because he had a, a case of the heebie-jeebies or the, I don't know, the boogie-woogie flu or whatever it was. So we got to go on TV. Ho you know, we, ho we hosted a lot of stuff on Facebook Live for a couple hours. It was a blast. Um, hope you have the same enjoyment. Hopefully we'll have actually back sports page. should have a website the next week or two, which will be interesting because it's been a while since we've had that. Um, a... Yeah, happy birthday to my baby mama slash uh, other partner in crime. Couldn't love you more, Carl. So love you to death. Um, oh, and a sad uh, farewell to Cortez Kennedy, who died yeah. today. Uh, no reason given at age 48. Kind of that middle of the pack uh, defensive end, defensive tackle along the lines of a John Randall or, or a Damon Harrison. You know, all-decade player. Hall of Famer, real shocked to hear about this. I saw the, I saw the same. Okay, for Seth Kamens, this is Sean Palmer, BackSportsPage.com, Blog Talk Radio, and Seth and Sean Sports Radio. Thanks very much for joining, and I will talk to you next week. See you all. Bye-bye. Peace out.